Welcome to Idaho Speakeasy. I'm Mike Turner with Phil Mount, and we're on a mission to uncover and share the stories of Idaho's finest entrepreneurs, community leaders, local icons, and those who are impacting our community. Today in the Speakeasy, we have Library Director from Meridian Library District, Gretchen Casarati. Welcome to the Speakeasy, Gretchen. Thank you very much. I'm so pleased to be here. So, okay, library director, Meridian. So I, there's so much I want to talk to you about I mean, because one, Meridian's changing so much and you're right in the thick of that. Um, and also about libraries because, you know, there's always questions about how libraries are evolving. And I was just reading some of your bio about uh, how you, you know, in Connecticut and you're previously um, working in libraries, how you innovated some cool stuff in libraries. There's all this cool stuff that I want to, talk to you about so i'm so excited to have you here so anyway so let's start from the beginning so uh how'd you get into the library work um through stories i grew up in a house of music and arts my dad owned a music store and i grew up participating in community theater um and like so many librarians a super book nerd who just loved to read and as i left home and and pursued my own independence. I had my aha moment um, waiting tables in New York City when I realized that I loved helping people and I loved stories and technology and that I found storytelling as a children's librarian in a public library setting was a wonderful path for me and I followed it and it's led me on a whole new adventure um, leading me all the way out here to Meridian, Idaho, uh, where I'm now a library director. Yeah, wow. And so what was this thing? I mean, I, I literally read this online about you uh, uh, had some innovation in the children book section. Like, what, what, what was that all about? Well, I was moving to a new, uh, I was working at New York Public Library originally. I was a children's librarian in Chelsea. And I had an opportunity to move to um, the Darien Library in Connecticut, which is um, suburbs of New York City up in Connecticut. And they were building a new library. They built a beautiful multi-story new facility. And they asked me as a new librarian coming in, if I could do anything different, what would it be? Mm, I love and, that question. Um, with a passion for design thinking and human behavior, I um, took a step back and I used an exercise called mind mapping to really explore how people ask for questions, how they ask their questions um, to get help in a library, in a children's library specifically, and um, started to map out what the categories were, what the trends were, what the patterns were. And we designed a new way to approach organizing the children's books. In that library in particular, many, many public libraries, your children's book collection will have 16 to 20,000 picture books, which those of you who know are very thin-spined, um, narrow, but also big books. And they can be very unwieldy to navigate. Um, the Example I like to give, and as a parent myself, is when you're in there with a two-year-old running around and a baby on your hip, and your two-year-old just wants books about trucks, you don't really care about the other 17,000 books in the collection. You just want some books about trucks. And so the idea of reorganizing the picture book collection was to make it more um, user-friendly. And we organized them into categories, and we color-coded them. So even pre-readers who couldn't yet read could find that the Ooh. red books were the transportation books, and those are the books that they liked. And we had such great feedback from parents. Over the course of, a, of the first year into the second, um, we had a 500% increase in the circulation of those books, um, of that collection. 
And a lot of that also was from um, people discovering new things. And at its heart, a library should allow people opportunities to discover new things. And so by reorganizing the picture books to make it more usable, we found that um, both the browsers and the seekers of a library's collection were able to get what they needed. I love that. I uh, I take my kids to the library a lot, and I uh, I always know there's a huge difference between them picking a book off the shelf that they want, or me versus me recommending one. Right. <laughs> somehow the one I give them is always tainted. Somehow, right? It's not as cool as if they've pulled it off the shelf themselves, right. and so being able to find it, right? Um, and because otherwise it's just a sea of books. I like that concept that gives them a more uh, it encourages that behavior of being able to go out and find what they want to learn and see and know more about. That's exactly. Cool. The, the desire is to empower the child. Yeah. And so I remember one time um, after a story time had let out and all the kids were flooding out of the, the program room, a little boy was pulling his grandfather's hand saying, Grandpa, Grandpa, come over here. The truck books are over here. The red books are over here. And we felt like we did it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Awesome. And so, uh, and so you transitioned to, to Meridian. What's that transition been like? Uh, well, I've lived in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, so my husband and I were ready to be thinking about uh, a next step and moving out west. Um, so we looked at a lot of cities and we researched a lot of areas and we looked for um, an opportunity for my career and for the, a good job um, as well as the quality of life. and. Uh, frankly, when when this opportunity first came up, we had not thought about Idaho. Most um, people haven't, you know, yeah. are kind of forgotten over here. Yeah. yeah, and we started doing a lot of research online, um, and there is a lot of information that's out there, whether that's uh, photo sets on Flickr of people's hiking adventures, as well as blogs and social media. And we were able to do a lot of research, and we decided that was worth pursuing, and all the cards fell into place. And it's a terrific um, job and place to be, and we're just loving living here. And it's five years now, officially, the longest I've ever had the same job as an adult. Well, congratulations. So I have met a milestone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, probably have no plans to uh, to leave in the immediate no. future? No. We've got a lot of uh, challenges still that we're working on and a yeah. lot of exciting um, challenges. And that was one of the things I really was wanting is some... Um, to continue to grow and challenge and, and recognizing Meridian's growth in particular, that was really something that made it very attractive to me um, because I don't like things that are easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly Meridian was growing when you moved there five years ago, mm-hmm. but you probably didn't expect the kind of hyper growth that you've seen since you've arrived. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's got to have some unique challenges, right, as you're trying to, to grow the Meridian Library system. And you've been doing some pretty innovative kind of thinking with how you're trying to get some branch library stuff. So, um, so talk about, like, the Hill Project. Sure. Well, taking a step back, even before that, um, Meridian's main library was built uh, for a city of 40,000 people, which we have clearly far exceeded. And so the library district um, 
10 years ago almost now, um, began leasing a small retail storefront for a branch library. Um, and so as the city continued to grow, our footprint did not grow. And so we have experienced a lot of challenges with a limited physical footprint. Yeah. So for me coming on board five years ago, I recognize that's a challenge for us is to grow the footprint, but also we have to think differently about how we approach our services in the absence of a traditional service footprint to deliver them from. And so we, we practice something called embedded librarianship at Meridian Library, where we believe that we should be out in the community and meet people where they are. We don't, we don't believe in the old library model of we wait for them to come to us with their questions, and then someone sits behind a fortress reference desk and looks down their glasses at you, you know, while they, <laughs> you ask for your questions. Yeah. Um, we really believe that we should be out in the community, and in fulfilling our mission, we're making connections for people. And whether or not the library provides the resource, we should be in the position in a community to make those connections for people with another another agency that might be able to help them or another person in some instances. And so over the last few years, we've really worked hard to um, be more creative about how we approach those services. So we built an outreach department where we have a number of full-time staff whose job it is, is to go be in the community, whether they're at the um, juvenile county uh, correctional facilities or they are at the Boys and Girls Club or they are attending free meals at a church um, to go and be with folks at the food bank to be where people are and to offer library services where they are. Um, so that's helped us reach more users and work toward accomplishing our goal of reducing barriers to access for libraries, especially since we don't have all those branch libraries that people can come to. So we're reaching a lot more people despite the fact that we don't have more branches. That said, we also want to take advantage of every opportunity that we can, yep. um, especially with a lot of um, legal restrictions for us uh, with public funding around capital projects. Yeah. So back in 2015, we had an opportunity to work with the Meridian Development Corporation, our urban renewal agency, um, to fill a vacant building downtown Meridian um, with what we now have is um, called Unbound, our tech library. So it's a library where it's our collection is hardware and software. It's not a traditional book library in its designed, we use the business canvas model to design that space around economic development and serving a downtown revitalization effort um, and being very specific to elevating the um, opportunities for citizens to grow their technology skills. And that's led to um, op other opportunities with partnerships in the downtown community. And that's been very successful. Okay, so. all right. So you want to slow you down there a little bit. You used, you used words like business, canvas, thing, you know, so, you know, and then what, drill down more about what this technology center is and what's in there and how people are utilizing it. Uh, sure. So it's a, it was a vacant bank. And so um, we designed the, the services around what existed so that we didn't have to spend a lot in capital infrastructure. Okay. Um, and we have a 3D printing, uh, it's, we call it the prototyping cove, uh, okay. where we have 3D printers and a cool. CNC machine. And the idea is there is um, a small business could come in, proto a, an entrepreneur could prototype an idea, mm -hmm. a small business owner could come and build something that they might want. And an example there is Little Kitchen Pastries down the street in downtown Meridian worked um, with us and they we helped them learn how to design custom cookie cutters that they could use um, for their business 
to do custom cookie cutters, uh, custom cookies. Um, we converted the bank vault into a sound studio, and so we can do podcasting classes, and we have a, a bunch of local groups that run their own podcasts out of the bank vault. In the vault. All in right. The vault. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Cool. Um, Did you take the door off, or is it still there? It, the door's there, but it has to stay open. I hope so. Yeah. That would be yeah. a little... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, cool for a podcast station that's that's really cool yeah um mm. so and then we've got full adobe cloud software on the mac computers and um we, it's a flexible space so people can have meetings or classes the meridian downtown business association meets there um every other friday morning is this so, is this a um an idea that um that you've taken from we've seen other libraries do or is this something you guys just have kind of jumped out there i mean where did this idea come from um, well, libraries have been have been moving into the world of maker spaces for quite some time. Right. Um, you hear about the three D printers, yes, yes, a lot. And I think what what we really wanted to do was not do something because it was trendy. We wanted to do something that was useful, and we wanted to be really thoughtful about why we were choosing to put a 3D printer in there and how it would be used. Yeah, We have 3D printers um, at, at the other locations. We bring them out when we do outreach in the community so people can get exposed to it. Um, but its use at Unbound is very different and intentional. We had a, a middle schooler, a, an enterprising young man, who um, was coming into basically began to produce his own fidget spinners and sell them <laughs> because he figured out how to do these things. And, yeah. and that's what we really wanted to do was cultivate a space and tools to help people build that business um, opportunity or skill or whatnot. So even um, a small business, we want to be able to help build a website and learn how to um, build a social media presence. We worked with the Small Business Association to do classes um, in that space as well. So for us, it was taking inspiration from what other libraries were doing, but creating something that was very specific to Meridian, very specific to the location and the needs of the, the community that we're serving, and not just doing something that other libraries were doing. Right. Wow. Um, and what's been the response like? I mean, have people been jumping in there and giving it a go? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and all ages. Um, we have uh, an, an, a gentleman nearing retirement who's come and taught himself how to do the CNC machine, who's now teaching classes that might include other adults and kids. Um, and I received a, a wonderful letter from him saying that he gets to bring his grandkids in um, to learn how to do different things. We do STEM classes for kids and family make it days on Saturdays and things. So it has been very positive and continued to grow as more and more people learn about it. Are you finding, like, what is, as uh, far as the, the Meridian library system in a whole, what is the usership like? Have, is, uh, is attendance up? Is it going down? What are you seeing along those lines? Uh, our attendance has been um, pretty s steady in that we have about a half a million visits um, across the district each year. Um, and by visits, we mean that's our door count. What we've seen in our growth is in our program attendance. When I started in 2013, we had 33,000 roughly visits to um, library programs. And last year, we had over 130,000. Um, so we have exponentially grown our library programs uh, in the community, both inside our building walls and outside. And working with community partners has been a, a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like there's a trend um, that, um, you know, we used to have all these big box uh, bookstores, 
uh, that uh, we became kind of coming a dying breed, you know, and so we still have some, you know, uh, some small ones and some, uh, one or two big ones left. Um, but it seems like uh, when, once those started going, more and more people started going back to the library more often, our usership has gone up. And then another trend that I see a lot is uh, how people are using the library. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, like you said, you, you have a lot of maker spaces. It's still there for the standard, what you'd expect it to be, but uh, it's not really the uh, the quiet, stuffy library that you get shushed at, uh, that we all grew up in. Um, and I mean, you know, you check out, you know, laptops and other electronics. You can do all kinds of things with libraries these days. Uh, it's just been kind of, uh, it's, it, I'm in kind of awe and uh, an appreciation of what libraries continue to do, but I still think there's a good part of the public, large part of the public that sees them as, you know, dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. What has been your, you know, um, what, what do you, how do you see the public reacting and, and how, you know, their recep- perception of libraries? Well, certainly libraries have seen and are a part of a sea change and in, in an evolution with technology. Um, at the end of the day, you still need to be able to use technology to find a book on the shelf in a library. Um, and so I think that, that there have been some challenges around um, the lean years during recessions and lack of funding for libraries to have the equipment, the resources, the personnel that they need to remain relevant and useful to their communities. And that um, during the recession, we saw a lot of people come back to libraries and rediscover what we have to offer. And I think at least for, for us and the way I see libraries and what I'm trying to bring to Meridian is embracing our role in the educational ecosystem. And what I mean by that is a public library is a, is a learning institution, but we are not the same as a school library where they have a formal curriculum and there are standards that they need to meet to make sure they know how to do X, Y, and Z. I like to refer to the public library as the fun ant. Where we get to like give the kids a bunch of sugar and have yeah. a party and then send them home. So we get to have fun and we get to think about learning in lots of different ways, many modes of learning and different styles of learning, and really broadening the scope of the way we define what learning is. Some people learn better from each other, from another person. Some people learn better from a formal classroom environment. Some people are just curious about learning lots of new things. And so it's allowed us to have a lot more fun while we design programs that are still meaningful to our residents. And as far as the library goes, we are one of the few remaining um, public spaces that are community gathering places where you don't have to buy a cup of coffee to get the Wi-Fi password. And I think a beautiful thing that I love about public libraries and always have is the intersectionality of the community that of people living together. I remember one day, it was a number of years ago, we had pulled out a 3D printer, it was when we first got one, into the lobby, and I saw a grandmother with her grandson um, learning how to 3D print, and teenagers stopping by, and kids and adults, and all these people talking to each other. They don't all live next to each other, they don't go to church together, they don't go to school together, but they came together in the public library to have an interaction with each other uh, and something that was we did facilitated that. And I think that's really special. And I'm very proud of the work that we do that brings people together in a very humanizing way. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think you summed that up very nicely. <laughs> exactly. I think, uh, um, and there's also this cultural element to it, I think, uh, in my opinion. It's like there's, uh, 
because uh, libraries, you know, they have uh, this ability, you know, this environment for learning and they make it really accessible. And that has never actually got, been easier. I mean, as far as accessing learning and, and um, so many things along those lines. But I also think, you know, a lot of people use the library because it, 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 it provides them an avenue for um, uh, entertainment beyond their television screen, right? And it uh, enriching their, um, you know, for their book, you know, checking out books for their book club or to uh, engage with, um, you know, different forms of media. And I think that is, uh, with, without that being there, it, it, not everyone has so, so much broad access to it. And I just think that's a really cool part of a community when it does provide that, just because it's like, um, if, if you want it, it's there and it's accessible. It's not just for those who can afford the, the purchase of something. And, um, and every time, sometimes when I'm checking out like eight or 15 books, you know, at a time, maybe it's ridiculous when I go with my kids, it's just like these huge stacks. I feel a little bit guilty because, you know, one thing I, I mean, I, I, I'm getting fully employed. I can go afford these books, but I wouldn't be able to afford it in that kind of volume of being able to, cause you know, we're cycling through so much material. We'd have to like pick, okay, instead of getting this 15, we got to pick these two. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, we're going to focus on these two. And, and, and that would have been fine. And that would still have been great, but it wouldn't be the same kind of, but with the library, we can just go all in on, on curiosity and, um, you know, and you know, if I have a stack of great books for my girls to read, like next to their bedside, they, that's what they want to do. Um, but if I don't, then they're like, all right, where's the nearest device that they can go get lost in. <laughs> and so I think, uh, um, I just love that, uh, access to that, that it's removing the barriers because even though I, I've, you know, with, um, in my, um, situation, I don't have many barriers, but, um, we can, you can create your own barriers because you know you want to be you know not overspend or stuff. I just I'm a big fan of libraries, um, and just because it just gives this this full access to do dive in on whatever it is that you want to dive in on, mm-hmm. and uh, it would, I um, and I don't know what it'd be like without that because I've been such a heavy user for so long. Well, Mike, I would just say that you shouldn't feel guilty about taking those books. They're your books. You're a citizen of this community. The library is the custodian of those books for you. Right. If you think about the sharing economy, this Mm. idea of I have this car, I can use it to help other people get around. The library says we have all this stuff. We're here to help take care of it. So a lot of people can share. Right. Um, So you shouldn't feel bad about that. And that's (laughs) that's on us to make sure there's enough copies. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that point of view. So you are still facing some growth in Meridian, right? Yeah. And so there's been an attempt to to kind of do some really cool things with the community and so talk about sort of the partnerships that you've explored and and they're trying to trying to trying to do yeah right? trying to get off the ground yeah sure um many people know we attempted to pass um a general obligation bond measure um that did not pass and did not reach the super majority um, so we've had to take a step back and just really think about what our options are because we have so many restrictions for capital funding, as I right. mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, and as a part of that um, commitment to building partnerships with other community agencies, um, we were approached uh, about the project at the Hill a couple of years ago. And one of the um, 
part of the funding for the, the bond would have gone to build a branch there. But the Partners at the Hill, if you're not familiar, is the YMCA. The city of Meridian has a, a Hillsdale Park, Hillsdale Elementary with the West Davis School District. St. Luke's is a partner on the site. It's a, a wonderful collaborative um, community project in South Meridian. But it doesn't have a library yet. So we, um, I believe that uh, creativity and innovation come when there are constraints. Mm. And for us, um, capital funding is a constraint. And so we have to get creative. And I was inspired by the um, tiny homes movement. And we thought about how schools use portables. Why couldn't we use shipping containers? And so uh, hopefully next week, we'll get our um, pilot prototype delivered. We are um, pursuing repurposing a shipping container to build a tiny children's library on the site at the Hill um, in partnership with the Y. Uh, they're being so generous and helpful in help, helping us realize this, yeah. this idea. Um, and the idea that we really have is we can pilot this here and build a model that could be useful elsewhere, particularly in our state where we have such low kindergarten readiness. Mm -hmm. Even here in Ada County where we think, oh, we're, we have an educated community. 30% of our three and four-year-olds are not in preschool. And 55% um, of those kids coming into school are not at reading level with kindergarten. So we still have a lot of work to do in the space of early learning. And our vision for the, the tiny library is um, using what we have and thinking a little differently about how we deliver that. And again, in thinking about space design, the idea is this is not just a box full of books for kids. This is an early literacy learning program. And that what we do there is going to be uh, provide resources for families who are um, helping their kids prepare for kindergarten, supporting the parents and caregivers, providing rotating resources and activities and programs. So um, around the themes of early literacy, what families can do to help prepare their kids to read. Read, talk, sing, write, play. If you do those things every day, your kid will be ready for kindergarten. But a lot of families don't know that and don't have access in some ways. And so if we can build these out as a lighter, quicker, cheaper model, places in r more rural areas of our state might better be able to use some of that to help those families prepare those kids for kindergarten. Because I'm sure you both know, and many of the listeners know that that reading readiness starts before they start kindergarten. When you talk about third grade reading levels, you have to be thinking about what happened in kindergarten. You talk about high school graduation rates. It's a pipeline. That learning continuum is all connected, and it all starts in the first five years of a child's life. So those, those years are very critical to lay the foundations for those kids to be successful. Yeah. So we're really excited about that project. Yeah, yeah, terrific. I, I love so that it idea. Starts next week. Well, the um, we've placed the order, and the company was working on putting the windows in, and oh, right. and then we have to do some finishing. So we were shooting for a Labor Day opening. Okay, well, just in time for school. Yeah, yeah, that's terrific. So, but in the meantime, though, uh, are do you think you'll still be pursuing trying to do the the sort of integrated model with the Y and with the schools and and you know kind of these you know, a multi... Co-located space. Co-located yeah. spaces, right? It should be so much sense, right? Yes. Yeah, we definitely would still... Yeah. We're committed to that partnership, and we're continuing to explore with the Library Board of Trustees um, what options we might have that yeah. uh, might be another funding measure in the future. Um, we're trying to start a library foundation ourselves. Um, yeah. We have a Friends of the Library, but we, we really need some capital fundraising. Yeah. Um, so we're working on starting a foundation, um, and just continuing to walk down the path. It's a slow path. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're being recognized for the kind of really cool work. And in fact, just what, a week or two ago, you 
won a big chunk of money from from Penguin Books. Yeah, well, the shipping container um, really got kicked off with a grant from the Solid Waste Advisory Commission's Recycling Fund grant in Meridian. Um, that fund allowed us to actually be able to purchase the container, um, yeah. recycling. We're recycling yeah. this shipping container and right. giving it new life. Um, and then just recently, yes, uh, we were the recipients of the Penguin Random House Library Innovation Award. Um, and that will those funds will also go to the project. And they um, also threw in an additional $1,000 just for children's books because they thought it was a good idea. <laughs> and they're a children's book publisher. And right. So oh. we're very excited about that, yeah. yeah. That's pretty awesome. They announced it at the American Library Association's annual conference um, just a week ago, I guess it was. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. Well, well, uh, I want to thank you for coming and speaking with us. We've been speaking with uh, Gretchen Casarati. She's the Meridian Library uh, Director. And uh, you can, of course, find out more information about what the Meridian Library is doing at MLD.org. And uh, gosh, you know, uh, it's been so fun to have you in here. Uh, Quite the uh, uh, dynamic talker. So I can see that's part leading to part of your success. Um, But just helping express kind of what your visions are and why you're doing that and the way that uh, the Meridian Library just has been innovating. I think that's all really cool. Um, I've made it really clear on this station that I'm a big fan of libraries, so I get to kind of geek out when you're in here, so it's fun. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, we'll be watching what happens. It seems like you got a lot of cool stuff going on, and uh, we, we wish you luck uh, navigating all this, the, the fastest growing city um, in America right now, <laughs> in Idaho. Um, so uh, good luck with that, and thanks again for coming in. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here.